Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, welcome to the Lens Podcast. My name is Brian Hansen. And I'm Brian Solomon. Hey, thanks for listening. As is our practice, we approach our podcast in terms of three segments. That kind of keeps us moving and keeps our mind uh, somewhat engaged. Brian, uh, you were in youth ministry for a long time, as was I. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know that I ever graduated from like that inner middle schooler that is in me, and, and, uh, and I need all of the... Uh, the little things to help keep me on track. Oh, yeah. so, so three segments. Uh, we got three cues to kind of keep us moving along. That way we don't meander too long. And so if you're new to our podcast, our three segments are a view of the world, your place in the world, and what in the world. Brian, give well, us a view of the world, man. Yeah, so a view of the world. You know, uh, segment one here is, Brian, I'm ticked off. I, I'm I'm angry. In fact, I could say, well, I was going to say I'm upset, but in fact, I think I'm angry. You're angry. I'm angry. And that is the topic of the day. Okay. Anger. Right. How do we, uh, how do we deal with anger? And, and um, it, it, is it right? Uh, is it, is it, uh, it, does the Bible talk about it? Is there a biblical moray to this thing? And uh, there is a, another segment that goes along with anger and that's, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so today we're going to be, we're going to be talking about this because there is a lot of, uh, of anger in the world right now. (laughs) Right. And, uh, and Brian Solomon, uh, you and I, we had the opportunity last week to go to a, uh, a breakfast that was, uh, hosted by the gathering out of, uh, the Dayton area. Yeah. The Miami Valley gathering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Pinkleton invited us over to it and they had a speaker there and his name was, um, was Brant Hansen and he's wrote a book. Uh, the name of the book is unoffendable. Absolutely. Yeah. An intriguing title. And by the way, if you, if you, uh, want to uh, look it up and give it a read, I encourage you to do that. But he had some really interesting things to say. Some of it was he, he verbalized some things that I think that we totally agreed with. And maybe we hadn't verbalized before. Right. But then he also had some things that caused us to chew on a little bit deeper and ponder a little bit more too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there were uh, on the whole, man, I thought he knocked it out of the park Mm -hmm. really uh, helped uh, those who were in attendance uh, at the breakfast and those who have read his book to think about anger in a, in an open handed way. Hey, stop hanging on to anger. Uh, Yeah. uh, You can make a decision to, to let it go. Yeah, you, you know, in in relation to that, one of the things that he said was that uh, you know, in this day and age, listen, there is so much going on in our society. Our society is changing like unbelievably, and not not ways for the good, right? And and he pointed out this thing. Somebody had said um, to him, "I don't know how a person could not be angry at this period of time," you know. And his response was, uh, "Okay." Uh, for how long, like 
for five minutes for today. Yeah, how long are you supposed to hang on to right. your anger? Yeah. Right, right. And obviously, you know, we're not happy with the direction that it's going, but the statement that was made to him and the statement that we feel and probably recognize is we need to be angry over the direction there are things over things that are going on in our society today. And so that's, that's one type of anger that that we can, we can look at and deal with on large scale. And then there's probably anger that slips in under the radar as far as that goes on a more interpersonal level as well. Right. Yeah. He talked about uh, interpersonal anger, those, those uh, dust ups that we have with, uh, our spouses, although that wouldn't happen in your guys's marriages, would it? I mean, there's never a, a place of disagreement or conflict or an occasion for anger to begin to well up. Uh, uh, so, so Brant Hansen talked about not Brian Hansen, Brant Hansen yes. talked about uh, uh, the kinds of anger as it relates to justice, mm-hmm. things that we we see in, in, in injustice in our world. And he said, you know, that that kind of anger isn't supposed to be held on to. That should drive somebody to act. So you don't just harbor anger in in your inner person. It should motivate you to get involved. So if you're just if you're ticked off about something in the world, you should you should act, get involved, do something about it. Now, here's the thing. Uh, what 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 is then the righteous outworkings of doing something? As it relates to a public injustice, is it then justified to burn down entire cities or storm polling places or uh, whatever? And so we want to make sure that our reactions in our anger uh, are right. And his point was, hey, listen, you and I, we can't be trusted with our anger. Yeah. Uh, Well... I don't. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. There. No, no, no. I, I, I think he, he he says, you know, uh, when he interacts with people, he says, you know, hey, Jesus got mad. Mm-hmm. Jesus got angry in the temple. Uh, there's righteous anger, and then there's unrighteous anger, and Jesus demonstrates righteous anger. And 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 Hansen's point was, no, you can't be trusted with your anger. Yeah, uh, man's righteousness does not. Excuse me, man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And that's one of the things that caused us to dig a little deeper to ponder, because that's a that's a pretty big statement that he makes there. Um, it's okay for God to be angry because God can handle anger, but uh, his point was that we really don't see anger, the man's anger, anywhere in Scripture justified uh, where it brings ultimate glory to God. And, and let's come back and talk about that in a little bit. Yep. Uh, but just looking at, at what is going on in the world, so. Uh, Brian Solomon, you and I were, were talking about this on Monday, the day before the elections That's tomorrow. Right. November the 7th. And uh, to, to say that things are at a boiling point in the country is probably, uh, you know, a, an understatement. But I, but I, might be an overstatement, too. Well, yeah, it, it could be. Um, but what was going on in my mind is I was thinking back to our last election cycle, um, actually further than the last election election cycle. And that was when uh, uh, President Trump actually won the election, which was totally unexpected. It came out of the blue, you know, and he actually won. And I just, I. In the election against Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I remember uh, I was, uh, I I lead a chapel at, uh, at a college 
on Thursday. So it was the Thursday after the Tuesday election. So by Wednesday, everybody knew that Trump had won. And there were a large percentage of the students that just couldn't come to class to school that day because they were so angry <laughs> that Trump had uh, that Trump had won. And my point isn't to say that Trump won or that he lost or that was good or that was bad. My point is, uh, this is probably even there, there's more energy behind this election than there perhaps was at that election. That's right. That's right. And it seems like those kinds of situations and circumstances. Uh, can evoke certain feelings in our hearts that yeah. uh, that that just aren't consistent with what a person of or the follower of Jesus should have. Yeah. So we're talking about anger and forgiveness. That's our view of the world. And now we want to get a little bit more practical and a little bit more biblical and think about our biblical worldview as we transition into your place in the world. So Ephesians 4, I think, is really helpful. Yeah. And so here we are on the eve of a midterm election where things are ratcheting up in terms of rhetoric and political ads and uh, voter bases getting all excited and, and others getting angry and uh, some anxious and all of that sort of thing. And social media posts are, are uh, uh, sometimes less than gracious and all of that. So here we are. Does God's word... Uh, offer any help to the follower of Jesus who says, hey, look, look, um, I don't want to be angry. And and as it relates to interacting with a friend, a family member, maybe even a spouse or a co-worker whom I might have a political disagreement with, how, how do I get out in front of maybe some contentious discussions or have to clean up some interactions that have already taken place. So I think Ephesians 4 is a helpful place for us to begin. Yeah, and and by the way, this doesn't just ha have to be a political disagreement. No. This is any disagreement whatsoever. Absolutely. These are, these are good, solid, foundational biblical principles that can be put into play on any on any level and any interaction that we have about disagreements or whatever. That's And that's the awesome thing about God's Word. Not only is it true, it's a transcendent truth. That's right. So it transcends time, it transcends culture, and it transcends circumstances. And so this truth is applicable for all people at all times, in all situations. And, uh, and so it's our duty to understand that truth and then apply that truth. So in Ephesians 4, verse 25, the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians church and he says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak. So our speech is important. We're supposed to speak to one another, but he says we're supposed to speak the truth with his neighbor for we're members of one of another. And so it's it's important for us to speak, but the things that we say must be true. And earlier on in the chapter in verse 15, he says, hey, speak the truth in love. So we're supposed to speak, we're supposed to communicate, we're supposed to communicate true things, and we're supposed to communicate those true things in love, which means that clamming up is a sin and blowing up is a sin. <laughs> yeah, so... 
So if we put this in, uh, in context of, uh, if you're married and you have your spouse, uh, there's a dust up that happens. Somebody makes a statement that doesn't set well with you. Uh, there's, there's one of two reactions typically that take place. Uh, you either blow up in response, right? Uh, and, and typically nothing good comes out of a blow up. Nothing comes. And, and we'll talk about that when, in the, in the next, uh, statement here where it says, speak the truth, but right now he says speak. And so there can either be a blow up or there can be a shut up, a clam up. And it's like, well, I don't have anything good to say in return, so I just won't say anything at all. And uh, probably if my if my spouse were here, she might say that I tend to lean more toward that uh, end of the spectrum than, than anything. But to this point here, he says, listen, having put away falsehood, it's like, so if you're, if you're doing that, if you have a, if you have a habitual problem, overstating, understating, saying something, saying things that are false, he says here, speak to to your point, let each one of you speak. So the the first thing is we've got to be communicators. That's right. Yep. And, and then he follows it up with, well, okay. So if we are going to speak, if we know that we have to be verbal in order to work this out, then what do we speak? Well, we speak the truth truth and yeah. we speak it in love yeah the apostle paul rose along and he says in verse 26 be angry and do not sin interesting uh it doesn't say don't be angry because anger is sin it says be angry and don't sin that's uh i think that that might have been one of the that's where we got hung up on on Brand's comment yeah. about uh, only God can be angry because He's the only one that can handle anger. But if we go back and and we we if, if we go back to creation where God made man in His image, one of the things that He put into man being in His image is the emotions that God has. That's right. One of them is that He gave us He gave us anger for whatever reason. It is a God given attribute of man that is in the image of God. It's a very dangerous thing because anger can be used for the good or it can most certainly uh, get us into trouble, be used for the bad. That's right. And probably it's most often when it comes out, when it's exerted, it's probably most often used for the bad. And and I think James is right when he says that man's <clears throat> anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And so that's why he gives... Uh, James does. He gives uh, the, the hearers or, or, or the initial audience of his letter these instructions. He yeah. says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to become angry. angry. And well, so so there's a formula there on the front end of that. There is. And, and one of the questions that, that you know is naturally asked, well, what is sin? Uh, when, when you're angry, what, what does sin look like in anger? And I think that uh, we probably don't need a whole lot of examples on this, but let's just let's just say when we're angry. When I'm angry, I know uh, I probably overstate things, right? Um, maybe explicitly overstate things, things that, or or um, uh, I I start to attribute. Um, not only has a person acted in such a way, but now I say I, I attribute the motive by which they acted a certain <laughs> way. Um, and, and I start to say all kinds of things that maybe I've been bottling up or thoughts that I've had, mm-hmm. but I say things that probably aren't so accurate in my anger. Yeah, you're building a case against them. That's right. Right? That's right. And oftentimes, I think 
Listen, I'm, I'm not a sociologist. Uh, I just live in this broken world with everyone else. And one of the things that I've observed uh, as it relates to our current culture is that, that uh, everybody relishes the blame game. So why are the Broncos losing so many games? Is it Russell Wilson or is it Nathaniel Hackett? What about the Packers? The Packers are lousy. Who's to blame? Is it Aaron Rodgers or is it his head coach? Uh, <laughs> who is to blame? Right, and, we, and we're always looking to blame. And marital conversations can go that way too. So there's a difference of opinion. You begin to negotiate that, and one person says, "Oh, so it's all my fault." Oh yeah. Uh, well, hold on yeah. a second here. Why do we have to dip our toe into the blame game pool? I don't want to go there. Hey, can we can we just communicate the truth and love with one another? In a spirit of mutuality, working toward a point of resolution. Boy, right. that that's altogether different than building that case against that person who is bothering you for whatever reason or that person that you disagree with. Absolutely. You know, and uh, my mind takes me back to several years ago, but I had somebody just come at me hard, just outrageously hard about a nonsensical issue. But uh, uh, they they just started making personal attacks instead of talking about the issue at hand. And my, my response back... I, number one, I couldn't believe what was coming out of their mouth, but I was I was just sitting there and I was like, you know what, uh, you're not in a good place right now. It's making me not be in a good place right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we put this on hold until we're we're in a better spot? And uh, and so when, when he comes down here and and he says, be angry and do not sin. So <clears throat> uh, we 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 look at that and we say, okay, we can be angry. We can be upset. We can have. Uh, let's call it righteous indignation. Okay. Okay. But that means that we're not losing control. We're still able to, in our upset state, uh, have a have a frame of mind that is still controlled, that is able to move forward, and that as I am speaking to you, I'll say you, as I'm speaking to this person, I'm I'm still maintaining control and um uh, accurate thoughts. Right. And the, the trick is to get it from here out of the lips, right? Yeah, that's out right. Of, off the tongue, which James talks about too. For sure. But, uh, and, and, and he does follow it up there in verse, in verse 27, he says, uh, well, it, well before it, you go there, yeah, go ahead. So you had brought up something that Brant Hansen had said at the breakfast. He, he asks a very good question. How long are we supposed to hang on to our, anger? Oh yeah. We're supposed to hang on to it for five minutes, a day, yeah. five minutes, uh, uh, five years, five years. Yeah. Is, is that how long we're supposed to hang on to that anger? And, and the apostle Paul says, Hey, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I think the principle that Paul is trying to get across here is that we're supposed to keep short accounts of our sins. So if we were to attribute four rules of communication to head off conflict or to work through conflict uh, so that anger doesn't get a foothold, so that we don't misuse anger in a way that's displeasing to God, uh, I'd say rule number one is to, to be honest. Rule number two is to keep a short account of your sin or the the conflict anyway. And then that takes us on into the next verses here. Well, so so to, to that point, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on, on your anger. So yes, short accounts, get rid of it, deal with it, be done with it. And he says, 
and and verse 27 give no opportunity to the devil brian uh so we could do a whole podcast or two or three on this but let's just say briefly that i believe that there are windows where people um have the opportunity to allow the spiritual forces of darkness to come into a person's life this is a direct window into into that opportunity for the spiritual forces of darkness to, to come into a person. Yeah, not keeping a short account and yeah. allowing anger to fester yeah. gives Satan a foothold in your life. Absolutely. And in your in your relationships. And 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 let's just let's just say this so that people know once Satan and his uh, minions, once they have a, a a talon in your life, they don't let go. And this, they just wait until they can get the next talon. And the next, so this is a this is a, a specific one that you know this is a pretty easy easy one to observe uh, in anger, but not the anger. It, I mean, yeah, the the anger potentially, but the anger is not as big of an issue as getting rid of it um, to to the short account, like deal with it, be done with it, um, uh, f- confess it, forgive it you know, so that it doesn't bottle up and have bitterness in us. Yeah. Hey, so uh, rolling along. So uh, rule number one is be honest. Rule number two, keep a short account of your conflicts. Rule number uh, three would be attack problems, not people. And that means we should avoid words that cut down, uh, words that bypass real issues and and uh, those kind of words that that tend to focus in on a person's character. Uh, these, These kind of words grieve the Holy Spirit. I mean, let's uh, take a look at what uh, the Apostle Paul says in verse 29. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And our words matter. Yeah. They really do. Absolutely. And he's in, in this whole section, he's talking about, uh, he's talking about our words. He's talking about our anger and things, but in, in this whole section, I really like this. And if you want, if you want to, to know how to change, make changes in your life rapidly, like today, take a look at Ephesians chapter four, especially in this passage, because he says, Hey, if you have a problem doing this, just do this. If you have a problem doing this, <laughs> right? Just do this, right? And it's like, oh, okay. It's not a hey, stop it. Yeah, right, right. Hey, no, no hey, right. knock it off. It, 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 it's very applicable, yeah. very helpful here. Rule number four. We're rolling along here. Rule number four is act, don't react. And the Apostle Paul lists out uh, six reactions um, to certain situations that we are prone to in our sinful nature, and then three actions that if we put on in its place, it helps us to be proactive. So those six reactions are bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. The Apostle Paul says we're to put off those things, but instead think about being a proactive person. And in verse 32, it says, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so thinking about how to get out in front of some of these issues uh, and thinking about how to communicate in a way that honors God, regardless of the circumstances, so regardless if your favorite candidate wins on Tuesday or loses on Tuesday, yeah. uh, hey, these principles— um, 
they transcend those those situations. They transcend, and again, just as you read there in verses 31 and 32, it's just the conclusion of instead of doing this, do that. And take, take a look at this. This is just good discipleship material right yep. here and helping us um, through the power of the Holy Spirit live more like Jesus. Amen. And uh, so hopefully these have been some helpful thoughts to us uh, yep. just in how to deal with anger. Yep. It's not wrong. It, it is an attribute of, that God has given man, but how we how we handle it has some real ramifications. That's but, right. Um, hey, and just to be clear, hey, I really enjoyed and appreciate Brian Hansen's breakfast and his book. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that any sorts of disagreements would be minor, yeah, minor, oh yeah. minor. I thought on the whole, uh, the things that he brought to bear were really, really helpful. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's head on into our third segment. It's, uh, it's called What in the World? What in the world, Brian? The Phillies lost. <laughs> yep. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, oh, I, I didn't have a, I, I, I didn't have anybody in the ball game here. Uh, um, no dog uh, in the fight. No, no dog in the Me fight. Me either. And Me either. Uh, if, if I had to pick somebody, it, one of the teams, I was picking for the Phillies just because I, I, you know, a product of the '80s myself, and I'm a big Mike Schmidt fan. But uh, and I will say, uh, they had uh, and John Crook. Didn't he play for the Phillies back in the day? I don't know. I just knew Mike. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, right. but I will say this. Uh, they did have a product on their team that the Chicago Cubs, my team, brought up, and that was Kyle Schwarber. And uh, although he had a first couple good games, um, he just couldn't put them on, their, on no, his shoulders. No. Hey, uh, we're talking about what in the world, things that we're seeing, and just kind of random You're things. You're big into soccer. Man, I, so I grew up playing soccer. Yeah. I started playing when I was five, played all the way through high school. Yeah. Uh, and uh, ended up playing college soccer when I was 30. Yeah. Uh, there's a story behind that and uh, <laughs> for another podcast. But, hey, last night I was uh, flipping through the channels a little bit. I was helping my daughter with her homework and, and uh, landed on an ESPN E60 documentary about the upcoming World Cup in Qatar and uh, talked about some of the... <clears throat> corruption that uh, that took place i'm angry yeah <laughs> hey, there's injustice here right You're right um, so there was uh, uh back in i think it was 2010 if my memory is right that's when they were determining when this next world cup is going to uh or where it's going to be hosted who the host country is going to be and qatar was uh was one of the countries that was lobbying uh fifa the heads of FIFA to allow this World Cup to to come to their country, and uh, uh, they, uh, by all accounts, should have been laughed out of the meeting. I mean, th this is a very small country. I think there's only about three hundred thousand uh, people who live there. There's uh, very um, minimal infrastructure. They don't have stadiums. Uh, the temperature at the time of the playing of the games it's going to be north of one hundred and five degrees Fahrenheit. Hotels, highways, all of the ground transportation needs that a host country is going to need to provide those who are attending the World Cup. Uh, they just didn't have it. Uh, but what they did do, apparently, uh, according to a couple of witnesses who were in the, the meeting rooms, what they did do was they came prepared to bribe three of the key vote givers uh, who would determine where... Uh, the World Cup will be played. Shocking. Amazing, right? So evidently, according to these witnesses, uh, there was about a $1.5 million bribe paid out to each vote 
uh, caster, I guess, if they voted in favor of Qatar. And of course they did. And all the, but the big problem is, is they didn't have stadiums. They didn't have any hotels. They didn't have ho- uh, highways, ground transportation, bathroom services, restaurants, all of those sorts of things. So they'd have to build it. Well, in a nation of only 300,000 people, where are they going to get the labor force for that? And so they began to recruit laborers from impoverished nations, giving them the promise of work, and they could come to Qatar and work and send money back home. And so they entered into these contracts with these employers, and uh, and upon landing in Qatar, they would surrender their passport to their employer, and then their employer would tear up their contract in front of their face, and these these predominantly men became indentured slaves of sorts. And, uh, and so the documentary kind of laid out all of the harsh working environments, uh, squalored sorts of living places, and, uh, and it's been estimated that north of 4,000 foreign workers have died uh, because of the, uh, the heat, the terrible living conditions, the uh, unsanitary uh, living conditions, all of that has contributed to them. And so anyway, all of that to say is World Cup is upon us. It's coming. It's right around the corner. But you have this backstory that's, that's kind of lingering uh, kind of like a like a dark storm cloud over the yeah. the World Cup. So what in the world, what, Brian? What in the world? That's right. <laughs> hey, man, I don't have any uh, <laughs> any any sort of uh, concluding thought other than to say, man, that really stinks. I, yeah. I don't like how that feels. Yeah. I don't like the sound of bribes. I don't like the sound of injustice. What do you do with that? Um, well, I don't know what you do with that, but uh, and I don't know what they will do with that, but uh, they'll have to figure it out because it's coming up upon us here uh, rather quickly, isn't that's it? That's right. That's right. <clears throat> so. I, I'm just thankful that God hasn't asked me to solve all of the problems of the world. That's uh, not the burden that I'm supposed to bear. However, I'm also not supposed to bury my head in the sand. That's right. We worship a sovereign God who is uh, not asleep at the wheel. He is intently aware and invested and involved in the affairs of men and has extended grace and mercy to all who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So maybe with that, we'll end our podcast today. Yeah, hopefully this has been uh, helpful in the the uh, understanding the topic of anger a little bit and uh, uh, how you deal with it and your place uh, in, in your Christian walk and faith. Until next time, we'll see you on the lens.